Good afternoon and welcome to the Sitka Nature Show. This is your host, Matt. I want to thank you for joining me here in the third weekend of December 2023. We are just a few days away from winter solstice and very much in the dark part of the year. That has been especially true this year here in Sitka where we've had heavy clouds many, many days in this December and going back into November and before even. But some of these days that uh, doesn't really seem like it's dawned. And uh, daylight, such as it is, is short-lived, but I've still been enjoying getting out and seeing what's around. Wood ducks here in Sitka are bright and colorful. Always mosses and liverworts that uh, remain green as long as they're not covered in snow. They're still green, but I can't see them quite as well even then. So there's always things to see out there. I enjoy watching the weather as well, seeing the waves come in at the beaches and some high tides. We had a high tide this past week that was over a foot above predicted, ended up being about a 12.8 tide. I enjoy going out to the Stargavin Estuary Life Trail to see the tides when they get that high. And this is the time of year for our highest tides of the year. If you're spending time outside or just watching from your windows, I'd love to hear about what you're seeing. Please feel free to send me an email, sitkanature at gmail.com, or you can get on Facebook and like the Sitka Nature page there. If you have questions and curiosities, I'd love to hear about them. If I can answer them, I'll do my best. If not, it's great to share in the mystery. Also, just whatever observations, especially of birds and other goings-on of animals in this season of darkness. The conversation I have for this week's show is one I recorded back in 2014, so I'm dipping way back into the archives here. Hard to believe it's been almost 10 years ago since that April of 2014 when I recorded the following conversation with Bill Foster. Bill passed away this past November, and I've been remembering fondly some of the conversations that I had with him both for the radio show and also when I just happened to run into him out and about town or on the trails. It was always great to catch up on the birds he'd been seeing. He was always curious to know what folks had been seeing around town and just to hear some of the stories he had to share. The conversations I had with Bill tended to focus around birds or trails or geography, and this one was no different. It was one we had intended to start talking about hummingbirds. It took us a little while to get to that as we got distracted by some other things along the way. I was recording the conversation live on a Saturday before it would air on Sunday. So we'll go ahead and join the conversation with me starting to introduce. I won't say it was my smoothest introduction ever, but we'll go ahead and join the conversation from there and go on to talk about eventually hummingbirds, trails, birding, and the various topics that we enjoy discussing. Uh, hummingbirds are back, and I actually have in the studio uh, with me uh, Bill Foster, and, and he's a, a longtime birder and, and interested in uh, lots of things. We're going to talk about hummingbirds and trails and um, and who knows what else as the day goes on. But I know you've been tracking kind of when the hummingbirds come, and, and uh, well, I guess I should say hello first. <laughs> Welcome to Hello, the show, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually had class with you. It's been a few years ago. Uh, marine biology. I still remember the anemone. You know, you hit your hit anemone. Your knee. Yes, anemone. it ends in a knee and not a me. Not <laughs> not a me. And and the anemone. Uh, and the uh, uh, phylum quiz. We had echinoderms, and and you wanted to do the cheer for the for the <laughs> volleyball echinoderm, echinoderm, spike it, spike it. So uh, help us remember that. Echinoderms tend to be a little spiky. But, That's uh, right. Oh, yeah. I wanted years ago, I thought, um, I was kind of uh, wondering why the Sitka wolves, since we have no wolves on this island, yeah. and there's two, three other towns in southeast that use wolves. And I thought, well, let's start a movement to make the sea urchin, oh, uh, sea the, urchin. the Sitka high uh, 
uh, kind of mascot. And I said, it's great because everybody could have one at home. You yeah. could have a sea urchin test or shell. And not everyone could have a stuffed wolf at home. And then I thought it'd be great for uh, wrestling because you could say pin them. Pin them, yeah. And let's see, volleyball was spike them. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I was kind of kidding, but it was fun to to go down that route. But there's a couple of alumni I thought I was serious. And oh. So I kind of had to lay <laughs> off of changing. Change is hard to come yeah. by, but those were fun days. Yeah, I believe we're still the Sitka Wolves here and, and yeah. not the uh, not the echinoderms or the sea urchins. Or, yeah. But Sitka sea urchins has a, yeah. has a ring to it. So. But I did, and I, I thought if you went down south and had a sea urchin on your letter jacket or whatever, it yeah. certainly would... Uh, start some conversation but actually the one that i thought might work is sea wolves because that would keep wolf but it would go to our marine environment but of course university of alaska what they're the sea wolves or yeah i think it seems like that uh, at anchorage maybe yeah yeah but sea what sea wolves had the most uh uh or the best chance but it never happened (laughs) (laughs) well and so that reminds me so you actually i remember um Used to run a charter boat uh, and do wildlife tours and probably fishing too a little bit, and then had a charter boat. I'd yeah. rather uh, look for wildlife than yeah. fish. I, yeah. I wasn't that really that good a fisherman, <laughs> <laughs> but when the fish are uh, abundant out here, even uh, even us uh, kind of slow fishermen did pretty good. I remember it was '92. We had that big group of Canadian salmon coming in, and yeah, I thought I was the most improved fishermen in the world, but. And I looked around. Everybody was catching them. And they were using black hoochies. And and uh, we had a joke then that all the fish that were in here had a little bit of a maple flavor to them oh, because they were mostly Canadian fish. Canadian fish. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you've kept up kind of with the marine stuff there. I know um, helping out with Al Marine from time to time, doing a little naturalist uh, naturalist uh, work with them. And, and uh, it seems like you, you enjoy getting out on the water and, and um, seeing lots of stuff out there. So there are particular highlights that uh, you've, I don't know if you, have you been out lately with them or? Well, yeah, yesterday they were doing a uh, change of boats, repositioning of boats between Juneau and Sitka. And I did get a ride over to Morris Reef. And yeah. It was just a nice day for a boat ride. But, um, you know, our goal was to get over there as fast as we could so we could change boats at Morris Reef. So we took three boats over, and uh, they brought one to meet us, and we went back on the one. Um, so these are boats, uh, kind of repositioning boats for the summer Yeah, they season. have to come over here for maintenance, some yeah. of the big maintenance, and we yeah. had one more left over there. But uh, it was a nice boat ride. But uh, there were humpbacks, but they were kind of few and far between. We did yeah. see a minky right on the way out of town oh, nice. at yeah. Sitka Old Sitka Rocks. So minkies are an interesting one. I've seen mm-hmm. one once, and I've heard that, you know, they're not really all that uncommon. They just don't, yeah. they're not super obvious about their blows, yep, and they don't quiet. seem to stick around very much. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you won't see them in the same place again and again. Yeah. They're just moving. The way you can really tell them, they have that falcate ta- or, yeah. uh, fin, dorsal fin, really yeah. sharp. But, yeah, they just, they're real quiet. The blow's not very high, and so uh, they're here, but uh, the humpbacks sort of, 
take center stage. Right. Yeah, well, they they seem to be a little more reliable. I remember talking to somebody that uh, was the captain for Al Marine, and he mm-hmm. said, yeah, he saw him fairly often, but and often when he was just sitting out there, like he was doing one of the cruises where people went to shore for a little while. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he would, while he was just hanging out there on the water, you'd see him sometimes, but they would just be up and down. You couldn't. Like, you couldn't get them pointed out before they were gone, basically. So right. I just didn't even bother trying. It's but. like the gray whales. You know, years ago, uh, I don't think we thought there were gray whales that sort of lingered here in the summer. They, yeah. You know, you look at the research, and they were all going north or south. And then we saw one off Chichigoff one time on a trip up there, and we discovered it when there was this big mud plume. Oh, yeah. And like, what is that? Well, it was a gray whale. And then uh, they've been fairly common off and on here, and... Yeah. Uh, but once you see one, you can really tell. You yeah. Know, you don't have the the back is very different. And yeah, and it seems like they're they're actually if you're if you're where you can see them pretty well, a different color. And yeah. So. And I think some of the whale watchers from a long time knew they were around, but yeah. uh, really had never said much. And then all of a sudden, um, now and then you'll see one. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, just in recent years. Uh, you know, I, like I say, I, yesterday the northern lights were out, and, and part of the reason I remembered the checks because I'd seen Facebook posts about it earlier mm-hmm. in the day, and then I and then I saw I got on Facebook and looked, and people said, "Oh, northern lights are out right now," so I was <laughs> like, "Oh, I should go out and see." And and the the sort of you know I used to have the phone trees, you know, the birding right. phone trees. If you knew the right people, you know, um, and and if you didn't, you just never heard about stuff until sometimes days or weeks later. And so it seems like that technology is really. Uh, uh, the ease of communication, and so we we hear a lot more about what right. people that were out there all the time probably knew about anyway. But well, that's why I didn't see him. I'm yeah. not on Facebook. Yeah, I well, was. See, there I was long asleep. <laughs> I think you were probably not alone in that. They, uh, yeah, I it, I can see Facebook really has some advantages of spreading the word and everything, yeah. especially in nature. But uh, anyway, I've sort of stopped. I still have the la- I have the last flip phone. In right, Sitka, and it doesn't even have a camera. On it. Oh, I've seen a few other ones. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there are a few few holdouts there. Yeah. So yeah, it's it, well, it's interesting. And you were just telling me uh, before we got started here that uh, you know some of the the evolution of birding and birding techniques, and and in particular the the bird songs, and people oh, have gosh. the little apps <laughs> on their phone, and they can they can play those. And now I, I it seems like I've heard about this, but. Uh, I haven't actually seen it myself, but the the phone will tell you what bird it is by, right. the, by the song. I, I just can't believe it. I, I can go back to the 60s when we learned bird songs. Number one, still the best way probably to uh, identify a bird by song is to be with somebody who knows exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. But in the 60s when we were in bird class... Um, I can still remember a 33 record with all these little sections on it. And yeah. somebody in class, we were all working together, trying to get the needle down. <laughs> in the right spot. In the right spot. And usually it was a group of birds, so you couldn't stop. But then, you know, it finally, I think the last one of high tech was a CD with right. Alaska birds. But Right. I listened to that. Actually, yeah. that's how I ended up mm-hmm. um, trying to learn my bird songs here. But um, now it's gone so far, and there is actually... Uh, there was one in 2006 I was reading in Birding Magazine called Swoosh or something like that. Yeah. You could point it at the bird, and then it would give you uh, – if it was a common bird, it would probably tell you what it was. But if it wasn't sure or using the sonogram, yeah. it would give you four or five uh, things it might be. And I think it's gone beyond that now. Yeah. Well, the sonogram – and for people that don't know, the sonogram is basically – it's just a um, – 
It's a different representation. It represents the frequency, uh, sort of fre- frequency mm-hmm. spectrum or something like that. And, and there's some technical mathy stuff about how you get that from the mm-hmm. basic wa- uh, sort of wave file. But you look at that, and, and it gives you a sort of visual sense of, of what the song uh, is doing. And, and actually, with a little practice, you can learn to interpret those pretty well. I know that um, uh, shoot, The Singing Life of Birds, Donald Krutzma oh, wrote yeah. that, and, mm-hmm. and he did a lot of work in birdsong over the years. And people say, oh, he must have been really good at it. And he said, no, I just spent a lot of time <laughs> with uh, sonograms. And he got to the point where he actually... Like he would see when he heard the bird songs, he would like he could visualize the sonogram, mm-hmm. but he wasn't actually that good at, at pitch right. and, and music and stuff. It, it was just that practice of working with the sonograms. Right. Don uh, was actually uh, at the University of Michigan in summer school when I was there. Oh, yeah. And beside being a great uh, uh, song biologist, and he's got a couple books at least. Yeah. I have one of those. He was a nice guy. Yeah, well, that's always nice. So. <laughs> and uh, he did. He liked to go bicycling and bir- for birds, and uh, it was just just great. But the first sonograms came out uh, in uh, for the general public in about 1966 or seven with Birds in North America. It was a golden book, and if you look at it, like, hey, it looks like a kid's golden book. Yeah. Well, it changed everything because it had the bird picture, and it had a, a little bit of an uh, of a uh, migration and. Uh, Map and the sonogram, which was pretty small. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it had, uh, you know, it had everything on one page. Whereas the early Peterson, you were thumbing all over the book. Yeah, right. So the 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 pictures tended to be grouped, and then the information oh, about yeah. the animals was a different place. And I think even some of the modern ones have that with the maps. You right, know, you have to right. go to the maps. Mm-hmm. Like, how many fingers do you have mm-hmm. to go back to the maps and figure out which one is? Um, yeah, my. Original Peterson, which I have here, is from uh, probably 1947 edition. I yeah. got maybe in the 50s. It's been wet many times, and uh, I just it's it's kind of an antique, and I like to thumb back and you know yeah. have to separate the pages because it's been <laughs> wet and they stick together. Well, it's interesting, you know. A lot of people they they keep old, you know, out of date bird mm-hmm. books, but it's it's. Uh, not so much because the information is current, but because so much of their experience is, is recorded in there. Yeah, and my, mine's marked up with name changes over name the cha- years. And, and I know some people, uh, you know, when Marge Ward was mm-hmm. first starting, she had a big, it wasn't even a field guide. It was just this big, mm-hmm. big, giant book. And they started writing down the birds that they were seeing mm-hmm. in the front cover of that. Um, and I know Lucy, who uh, was on the show last time, uh, she also annotates her, you know, when she sees, especially the first time, or mm-hmm. if there's somebody else that saw it, mm-hmm. and, you know, an unusual bird here, she'll annotate and she'll, she'll look through her book and say, oh, yeah, okay, here it was. Now you put it all on the iPhone. And yeah. It keeps track of how many birds you have. I lost track, you know, of my bird list and just yeah. it was so hard to keep track, pencil and paper. But Oh, yeah. But yeah. I stopped it. I've got them here. I stopped it. I went through Birds of North America. That was pretty good. But when Sibley came out, uh, the joke was that it's a great book, but you need a backpack to carry right. it. <laughs> it wasn't exactly. But they've served me well, and actually his bird life behavior is great. Oh, yeah. You know, I was we were, we were talking about dippers, American dippers. Yeah. And he's got several pages that gives you so much more. So Yeah, so this kind of a couple of different there's there's the true field guide, which is which is well suited to taking in the field. And Sibley's guide to the birds of North America, which actually I think is coming out in a new new edition mm-hmm. soon if it hasn't already. 
um, is is a little large for that. Mm-hmm. But there's a western birds, and so if yeah. you're just going to be a west coast thing, then it's a little more of the traditional mm-hmm. field guide size. But then there are these other birds, which are you know birds to or, or either advanced mm-hmm. ID guides that mm-hmm. go into more depth about how to identify things, or the birds bird life and behavior, which gives oh, you yeah. a lot more of mm-hmm. the natural history mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, there's a hummingbird book. All, yeah, just oh, about just hummingbirds. hummingbirds. Big yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, so. and, and warblers. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the specialized kind of ID guides. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, speaking of hummingbirds, so, yeah. so we've. We've had a few show up here. I know you were you kind of like to track them and get your feeders up and uh, and um, so you said your your first hummingbird was well just in the last week maybe yeah it, well actually it was the fourth the fourth so but a little then over it a week disappeared ago. but yeah. um, the reason I I started early about mid March with my feeders uh, with my wife kind of laughing like uh, are you expecting <laughs> something that we don't usually see and I said well it's worth a try. And I actually hung some red uh, flagging tape. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was really trying, but nothing happened. And I did that because some had been reported here. And right. I thought, yeah. They got to be around. Well, anyway, the, the fourth one came by and then disappeared for several days. I think it was just on its way to yeah. Pelican, probably. That's yeah, right. <laughs> but according to uh, the Journey North, uh, let's see, Medvigi, well, that wasn't on there, but you reported Medvigi had one on March 23rd. Yeah, that was, Lucy mentioned yeah. uh, Jamal, who lives out there. The the bird, well, Lucy, when Lucy lived out there, they just fed for years and years yeah. and really developed this uh, sort of... Uh, flotilla shall we say a l- large number of, right. of uh of hummingbirds out there and and apparently this one came up and did the yeah. if they're familiar with the place they actually yeah. come knock on your window yeah. and <laughs> that's right w- if you don't have your feeders up yet <laughs> right and then uh, let's see uh pelican uh which uh they feed birds uh hummingbirds a lot up there yeah. on their boardwalks uh on the 31st of march okay that yeah. was on journey north and then i put journey north on 4-4 and that was just this one flyby, yeah. it stopped real quick and then it left. And then Wrangle on the seventh, and then another report uh, by a person that keeps track uh, was on the tenth here in Sitka. Yeah, and then Ock Bay on the tenth, and North Douglas on the eleventh. So, folks, they are here. And they're here, <laughs> still in relatively small numbers. Yeah, but uh, get ready. And it's interesting here, you know, and it's probably not surprising, but they like different parts of town get them earlier, right? Uh, than others and and Medvici isn't really I don't know maybe this time of year it isn't actually that cold because uh, uh, they they're getting sun and mm-hmm. and stuff but uh, of course they have so many birds there that they've yeah. that they've developed the following for over yeah. the years um, but it seems like those warm kind of southern exposures where you know mm-hmm. the flowers yeah. will most likely be up and and uh, but those those early ones are often moving through then there's a big batch mm-hmm. that comes through and I haven't seen that one yet but that right. seems like usually late April. Um, and and they can really that's fun to watch because they'll be they'll be fighting over your feeder mm-hmm. if you have if you have uh, the rufous males are like known to be super aggressive they are They're, they'll <laughs> chase off other big birds right. and, and uh, so they fight with each other all the time and so I know last spring we were hopeful because there was like there was all these hummingbirds and they mm-hmm. were fighting over the feeders and we're like yeah mm-hmm. we'll get lots of hummingbirds this year and then they all left <laughs> well tell me so. about those overwintering I've never had an Anna's oh okay but yeah. several people People in town, including you, have had yeah. hummingbirds all winter. It's I, amazing. I didn't see them yesterday, I don't think. But there was actually two males, and mm-hmm. one of the last times I've seen them, and they may still be around. I just I wasn't around the house mm-hmm. as much. Um, but they were two males that actually were getting into it a little bit. Uh, mostly only ever saw one at a time, but... Uh, um, there was at least the two, and I think uh, Greg Johnstone, who lives kind of down to Groff mm-hmm. Street, had a, was hosting them earlier in the year, and then uh, we didn't have a feeder out. And then 
Uh, I think I saw one fly by or something. My kids are like, oh, let's put our feeder out. And I was like, all right. So we put it out. And, you know, it's wintertime, so it's not like the sugar goes bad anytime fast. You just leave it out there a long time. And, and it actually would freeze. Um, but part of that cold spell, it, the feeder, you could see that the, the liquid was frozen in there, but the hummingbird would still come up and feed. And I was like, how is that working? And so I went out there and I kind of tipped it, and there was still liquid in the bottom. And so I think it must have been like super concentrated sugar water that, you know, as the, the ice froze, it froze up above and it concentrated the sugar, um, which uh, the hummingbird band who was here said that's actually not very good for them to have the, some people like to put the sweet stuff, a mm-hmm. uh, little extra, extra power. I think three to one and four to one is f- sort of typical. Yeah. Um, but some people like to mix it at two to one sugar to water. Um, uh, and he said that's actually bad for their kidneys. They like oh, it, it but mm-hmm. but they it's not so good for their kidneys. That was so. that was a way. Some people in Sitka where there were a little more competition, they were oh, trying yeah. to outdo their neighbor and uh, sort of spiking the sugar water with yeah. a heavier. Well, and I, I think the birds like it. That's my yeah. impression. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Oh, so the you you have your birding magazine here. I don't know how many people are in town or or on the listening mm-hmm. area actually. Or birders. Uh, I guess is that. Part of the, is it the American Birding this Association? Is, uh, yeah, American Birding Association, which is kind of the premier bird watching group. You know, there's scientific journals, the Auk yeah. and the Condor, and all that. But uh, this one, uh, you know, they're they're really into uh, listing and just keeping yeah. track and really do a lot of good things. But each year, they pick a bird of the year. Right. Uh, yeah. That's hard to pick out of thousands i guess species <laughs> anyway well they probably limit themselves to the aba area the so aba it's, area it's only like much, 900 right. or yeah. so it's not the bird of the year for the world but last year it was the uh grosbeak was it, was evening it the grosbeak or was, or was, was that year two years before? ago yeah, yeah i think the, like the nighthawk was last well, year i think so. this year it's our bird yeah and it's the rufus hummingbird and they picked it for several reasons uh you know it's it's an incredible migrator yeah and uh it's spectacular in color and in uh, its all of its uh, feeding, and uh, so it's the bird of the year. And uh, they, it's funny they even have a coloring a section. Coloring. I haven't colored it yet. Yeah. And I think art <laughs> teachers might not be too excited about a coloring page, but <laughs> it's still okay. And then uh, it it uh, really tells a lot more about it. You know, I think for its weight. It's one of the greatest migrations. Well, I think I think uh, they have the longest migration in terms of body length. Body length, yeah, yeah. that's right. Body, body length. length. And, yeah, uh, it's truly a Western North America bird. Yeah, so it's our bird. So bird of the year, and um, the uh, uh, the magazine, of course, also has a lot of information about birding aids and all the yeah. apps and that's right. where this all this new stuff but it also has uh stories about people who've reached milestones oh, yeah. yeah there was a recent one somebody reached 700 is the milestone that most people want to reach and, yeah and for I'm, north america yeah, yeah north america and to get that you're going to have to travel a lot yeah and relatively expensive because you're going to have to go out the illusions probably and do a lot of pelagic stuff and yeah all that and then um the uh, somebody just passed seven thousand oh, for a wow. world world record. yeah, yeah. and That's... then tell me you know more about that record last year yeah this uh... Neil Young I think his yeah. name was um, and the funny thing about him is his website his weblog is called the Accidental Big Year mm-hmm. he uh, he's a birder mm-hmm. and. 
he went. He made a couple trips out west mm-hmm. in the spring and, and got some unusual birds. Um, but he didn't chase all the birds in the spring, or I shouldn't say spring. Mm-hmm. Early, early part of the year, January, February. And it was about March, he realized he had a pretty good year list going, and he decided to go for it and um, and do a big year. And he ended up getting 700 and... Well, so the, the wrinkle here is, is uh, in part the Aplomato Falcon, oh. which is um, has been reintroduced to Texas. Texas doesn't consider it... So so here's the the minutia of, of do you count it or not and that's mm-hmm. and it's not always clear cuz reintroduced birds that aren't considered established don't get counted yeah. uh, officially uh, but there are potentially natural vagrants from Mexico mm-hmm. that could be counted mm-hmm. and so you have to decide whether you're going to count it and he <laughs> he delayed on deciding because because he preferred not to count it but Sandy Comito who had had the previous record of 745 mm-hmm. uh did count it and so he ended up and the other thing is that he had the it's when it gets counted so if you see a first north american record you know you can't it has to be accepted and sometimes that takes a while um, they may not accept your record and so i think he ended up with 745 plus 2 or something like that maybe it was 746 plus 2 um or plus 3 uh, but part of that was north american first part of it was uh well, that was mainly North American first, or ver- birds that you know may not be uh, identifiable. But yeah, he in in nine months, you know, and a big part of that is is the enhanced communication. You know, in '98, there was a you know there was the World Wide Web, but it wasn't developed like it is today. You know, you didn't have people posting an eBird all the time yeah. and and have all these email lists that are agglomerated. Using, like, phone, yeah, you'd call in to see if there's a. And you call a, bird. a national hotline yeah. kind of thing, or you knew people. You know, I think Sandy Camito mm-hmm. had a had a network of people that he knew, and so so it was kind of it's a different thing, and the, and it wasn't that great of a year for vagrants. And this guy didn't chase any of the earlier vagrants, so it's kind of it, the, the writing is well on the wall that it's just a matter of time till somebody's pushing up over seven fifty, you know, yeah, in an El Nino year or something like that. And, and uh, but it is expensive. I mean, oh, the guy yeah. said he was just he was he kept a he, one of the things he did was keep a spreadsheet of his travels and I can't remember how many you know he was over a hundred thousand miles easily that he traveled this year and or this past year and the number of segments was just nuts uh, but and you ha- especially at the end of the year you're just chasing things oh, right. you hear about something you just get on a plane and fly across the country and and he did he flew up to Alaska out to Adak then back down to t- Texas no I think he flew up to Nome Back down to Texas and then back out to ADAC, all in the span of like a week and a half or right. two weeks. We talked about on this program the big year, the movie, yeah, yeah, which uh, you know was embellished a little bit, but it still gives you the feel of what it's like to race for this uh, record. But this latest person wasn't really competing. But if you want to review that, go back to the big year. It wasn't well, a he great didn't... seller or a big. Hit movie, oh, right. but it's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, it was entertaining, and and this guy he did in the end. You know, when he decided to, he went mm-hmm. all out. But right. it was it, what was different about him is it was a very late decision. I mean, usually people prepare for this before the year starts. They're right. already planning out where they're going to do. And and you said seven hundred for a lifetime is a big. Oh, you yeah. know, that's a big milestone mm-hmm. for people. So you imagine doing that in a year. Mm-hmm. And there's, I think, a couple of dozen people that have, have managed a 700 big year. Um, but the, th- you know, the interesting thing about birding is that there are people that do big years, local big years, uh, you know, state big years, for example, or county big years, or uh, you know, um, 
human powered big gears mm-hmm. and various kind of things mm-hmm. and it's it's just another way to kind of enjoy uh, find it, it's interesting how many people are motivated just by that list right mm-hmm. it's you know they really enjoy getting out there but that just provides a little push to get them going because you know it's easy to go oh well that's the same old right. same old but if it's a new list then you got to go see it again and so well there's a big Alaska year I guess there people try that yeah um, I don't know if it's well known but there I'm is not kind sure of a list who has cap. the record yeah. for for Alaska big years. Um, there's the Alaska 200 list, which is a, a, an official. It's now um, Ed Clark is sort of uh, uh, keeping track mm-hmm. of that. But you can get a little Stellar's Jay patch, oh, um, wow. and Stellar's Jay is notable because it was the bird that. Uh, st- uh, well, I guess your boat was called the Stellar Jay, Stellar wasn't Jay. it? Yeah, yeah. notable because <laughs> I had a customer once thought it said Steeler Jay. Oh, they thought it was for the Steelers. <laughs> I see. That's funny. Yeah, I, well, and so George Steller, when he came over, yeah. that's that's how he said, this is the new world. We don't have these these birds in uh, in, in Asia, Eurasia. Mm-hmm. So. I've always liked it. Just the color is amazing, this black and blue together. Yeah. It's just an amazing color combination. Yeah. Well, and this is the time of year they have a song that they sing, and I've never heard it. But apparently it's a really kind of amazing song, but it's hard. They don't sing it very much, and, and if they see you, they tend to stop singing it. But right. I've heard a couple different people talk to me about, I don't know if they call it the whisper song or, or something, but they actually, you know, mostly you hear their rah, 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 right. you know, or their imitations of, of red-tailed hawks and, and that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's, so it, the but back to the Rufus hummingbird, yeah. it's... Uh, um, one of the things that was kind of interesting about it is they have that long migration. And last year I was able to talk to um, uh, Fred Sharp, but no, mm-hmm. Fred, not Sharp, um, uh, now I, uh, Bassett, Fred Bassett, who is in town banding birds. And and uh, he bands in the southeast in the wintertime um, and comes out west to band. And he said there's, there's an interesting, most of the birds in the old days, they said, well, it's just a late ruby throat, you know, because the ruby throat are the pretty much the only eastern, mm-hmm. eastern uh, hummingbird. Um, but in the wintertime, when he actually went out and banded, they were finding they were mostly western hummingbirds. And so these birds just get, they go out there and they winter out there and they'll go back to the same place. But what motivated him to come up to Alaska is they actually had a, uh, a recapture up here of one of the Rufus hummingbirds mm-hmm. they'd banded in Florida. And I think it was the longest recapture, and I can't remember, you know, two or 3,000 miles um, between Prince William Sound and, and Florida. And so, you know, we don't know where our birds are going necessarily, um, but they're but they're here now and, and coming in, and, and it's uh, even people who aren't really into birds very much in general seem to really enjoy hummingbirds. They're just so uh, energetic and, and and kind of very colorful and, and fun to watch. And, and this early season when there's a bunch of them and they fight, you get to watch some of their, their interactions, and, and that can be also pretty entertaining. Let me ask you, did he have a... I didn't get to meet with him or go to one of his banding. Uh, yeah. Uh, did he have special bands? They're tiny. Yeah. yeah, because years ago in banding, I caught a couple, and the only thing you could do then is cut the smallest band oh, down yeah. with tiny scissors, and then all it gave you was maybe five digits, which you probably could. Uh, but yeah. I didn't. I haven't caught very many, but I did see one once come up to the net, stop. Yeah. And go up and over and up continue. And over. So, yeah. I it's hard to s- believe that you can catch them now. But he had well, a special technique. I well, guess. you basically you put the feeder inside a trap uh-huh. door trap, and they go in the door. Oh, that's and how you they drop do it. The, yeah. He says you can't you can't let it go because they'll get out fast. You just yeah. have to let the gravity pull yeah. the sliding door down. And so that actually works pretty well. And I wondered how they caught him. Yeah, because I 
didn't catch very many. And yeah, no, that's so. And he only bans hummingbirds these days. Mm-hmm. That's he just specializes in that. Yeah. And and he's banned thousands of hummingbirds. Mm-hmm. And so he he uh, he actually uh, goes to the west and and follows the hum- hummingbirds every year. And you know, bans in Idaho mostly. I think is it black chinned hummingbirds that are down there. But different species. But he did. He made a trip up to Alaska last year, and he's he's planning to come back next year, I think, okay. as well, to do mm-hmm. some banding and maybe some get some recaptures. Um, so that was kind of fun. But oh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about it to make a rather abrupt mm-hmm. transition is is the trails. You know, I know over the years you've uh, you've uh, I remember being uh, hiking up Verstovia and and seeing little pictures like pinned to the <laughs> pinned to the trees of how deep the snow was. I think that was a big yeah, snow year and yeah. And uh, so you'd see the spot where the picture was taken and the snow was up to where the picture was. And and so that was kind of fun. And and I know in in, uh, the last years, or uh, I don't know how long, but uh, since the Herring Cove Trail has uh, been put in, you've been doing that one a lot. And, you know, it's a nice time of year for people to get out on the Mm -hmm. trails. The trails, the ice is pretty much gone, um, well, except for the higher mountain ones. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, snow and ice is, is minimal and things are changing. You know, you go out every week and it'll be different with the plants coming up and the birds moving moving through and so um just thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about our our trail system in sitka which is i mean it's really it's a pretty nice trail system we Um, are trail rich it's amazing no matter where you live and i think for example if i lived more downtown or in town i would use the cross trail more yeah yeah but i'm a creature of habit so uh I used to do the Verstovia, but I found out it's a little more challenging than I want to deal with now. Oh, it's it's fine. It's a good workout. There's yeah, no question yeah. about it. But I once the Herring Cove Trail was uh, finished, I've sort of gravitated to that trail. And it's uh, it's funny. The nice thing about uh, our trails, you know, you can get out. You can be by yourself. But you meet people on the trail. And I've always been interested in who's hiking. Yeah. And I've talked a little bit about you can kind of tell if they're carrying anything with them that uh, you know that they might need in an emergency. And yeah, but the funniest one I ever saw was on the Verstovia Trail years ago, and there was two guys coming up, and all they had was an axe. One an of, axe. I mean, a full size <laughs> axe. Huh. And I like, hmm. I'm not sure if I want to stop and talk to these guys. Yeah. But, and then recently on the Herring Cove Trail, I heard this music coming. And a guy had like a boombox in his pack, like an old school boombox. Well, or? he it must something was big in yeah. there. Yeah, probably new school, but yeah. it was booming it out. His iPod and, with speakers now. Yeah, I guess. it probably yeah. was. And you know, I'd go on, and it's fun to meet people. There are people you meet that don't even give you eye contact; they just yeah. go on. And then there are people who stop and finally say, you know, we came up here to hike. We got to right. get moving, right. both yeah. of us. So, <laughs> like last a uh, couple of weeks ago, I met. Uh, Bill and Irene Ferguson. Oh, yeah. They had uh, just reported that uh, red-tailed hawk. Okay, yeah. And I went and looked for it. I missed it, but uh, it that was great. that was kind of um, on the uh, Herring Cove uh, Beaver Lake part of the Herring yeah, Cove trail, kind of overlooking yeah. the campground on yeah. down. Yeah, and uh, so, but it's been reported there before. So yeah, it's yeah, kind of fun to around. stop and exchange information. And uh, but it's it's always been interesting to see on our trails. Uh, what people are carrying because I usually go by myself and I don't want to have to bother or have search, Sitka Search and Rescue in the right. Coast Guard looking for me. But yeah. it's nice to know they're there if right. you're in trouble. I mean, we're to have these two groups that work together. Yeah. And so I try to prepare enough to stay all night if I had to. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be comfortable. Right. But, um, 
so I'm carrying a 10-pound pack, and it's usually ready to go. Yeah. Um, I change a little bit from summer to winter. Yeah. But, uh, speaking of our trails, if you ever read Outdoor Magazine and Backpacker, they have a list, the best trails here, the best trails. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to write them. I said, I know where the best trail is, but I'm not telling you where it is. <laughs> and it's the Herring Cove Trail. Yeah. It just got everything. And yeah. uh, one magazine did have a list of trails in Alaska, and they had the Sitka National Historical Park Trail. Yeah, well, yeah. That's a walk. That's a walk. That's right. not a hike. Not and much of a hike so there, yeah. yeah. They missed probably some of the best trails, and we have so many. And you can still bushwhack if you want. Right, yeah. So it's always, you know, so Herring Cove is, uh, well, it's a little out the road, so mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, but it seems to be quite popular, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, most, yeah. Most any day of the mm-hmm. week seems like oh, there's vehicles out there. There's hardly ever a time I've gone up, no matter what the weather, that I haven't seen at least one person. And the only day was that rainy day when they had... Uh, that second big uh, uh, movement of water, which uh, breached uh, a corner and went down and washed out a lot of the trail. Oh and, yeah, uh, it was just a terribly wet day. Yeah, that was uh, that was that January high, 14th, high water. I think. Yeah, fourteenth. And, and there had been a previous uh, right. mm-hmm. uh, December rain on wet snow event that that mm-hmm. had initially done a little bit of erosion. And um, um, you know, at first I don't. You know, it was hard to tell what happened, but it was it the, the, the stream instead of taking a right. Turn right. down under that bridge just went straight. Right, and I'm thinking there is a term I I learned it several years ago called a jockalup. It's an oh, Icelandic yeah. word for water being dammed up behind a glacier and, yeah. and breaking. Yeah, and some are big and some are small, but there's I, a there's all every that, year there's one on the Taku River and yeah. kind of the big glacial rivers tend to have those. So it may have been a lot of water, but uh, it was pretty. Uh, it was a lot of water in there. In fact, speaking of pictures, I did put a picture in the worst part there, so if you yeah. you can see what it was like on the fourteenth of January. So well, so far nobody's taken it down. So I saw, it's right there. Oh, oh, it's up on it's the up, trail. It's on the Herring Cove Trail, trail now. So I guess I haven't. I seen have that this one, so. habit of putting pictures, but I was going to say that was the only day because talking. About, I never hike with extra tufts, but yeah. I see a lot of people do because I yeah. can tell the tread, but. Um, they just don't offer enough ankle support. But yeah. that was one day that I wore my extra tufts, and the water was still too deep to cross the stream. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would have been Yeah, it's over. that's one of the things, actually, I like to get out when it's pouring rain because yeah. it's fun to see just how much the water is, is moving mm-hmm. and... And uh, I didn't. I went several places that day, and and just to check it out. I didn't have all day, and I we we did go out. My kids and I went out to uh, Beaver Lake. I saw. I guess you maybe sent in the pictures to uh, Raven Radio. And, yeah, I had that, and right. so I saw their post about them, and. Um, and then I, so my kids and I went out there, uh, I think maybe a couple of days later, maybe the end of the week, and, mm-hmm. and there was still water running mm-hmm. down the trail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was easy enough to get around, but it was, it was basically start. And if you look there, you can kind of see there's these series of, of mostly, you know, little depressions where it was mm-hmm. channel at one point, right. And then, you know, up higher, it, it just, it doesn't take much shift mm-hmm. to completely change out the channels. And I... I guess I, I imagine somebody would go up there and re- reroute the channel into the where it has been. They're actually starting a little bit now. Somebody moved some rocks around and yeah. But uh, it was almost a spooky day. Uh, it was so loud. Yeah, I mean, just loud, and you could hear the boulders. Uh, oh wow! Bouncing down through the stream, and it was probably the wettest trip I'd ever had because even I had all my gear and my boots. 
it was just so wet. Yeah. <laughs> and the only way you could get across the stream, I had to go back down. There's three bridges. You've got the one at the trailhead. The, yeah. Then the second one and then the third one just before the falls. But uh, yeah. to get across, I had to go way back down and cross uh, a, a tree that it was across the trail and oh. then walk up the other side. So wow. I didn't even dare go into the... I'd have been swept down. The <laughs> Nobody would know where I was. Yeah, well, it's uh, it is kind of uh, yeah. It's interesting to you know you get you go on those trails and I guess you you probably um, you get so that when things change you, you're you you're more aware of it, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah, you know, there's right. been when you haven't been on a trail in a while, you're like that doesn't seem like it was this way before. But if you were just mm-hmm. there last week and go, oh yeah, that's right, that's changed. And well, you you think about. Uh, Summer and winter, too. The nice thing about winter, you can see all that underbrush or, or all those oh, deciduous right. yeah. things. Or you can see things you don't see in the summer. Right. And yeah. you can look and uh, you have a better view if you're sort of uh, scanning in case there's a large brown <laughs> right. bear that's near you. And that's the one nice thing about the trails. Most of them are open enough that uh, you can kind of see what's going on. You don't want any surprises. The, the only bad one would be... Uh, as you leave uh, Salmon Lake, oh, yeah. heading up, that one is really brushy and it's kind of spooky because. Uh, well, I've I uh, heard a story from a guy. That, um, I don't know who's running. I think Ensarod's running the weir out there at Salmon Lake mm-hmm. these days. But uh, and and maybe this guy had worked for Ensarod. But there's a narrow, like actually not far up the trail. There's a narrow spot where it's a steep drop off. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually still part of the intertidal area mm-hmm. um, that comes in there to the estuary. Uh, but he was coming down or up, I can't remember, and the bear was coming in the other direction. And I think he actually might have got pushed pushed off the trail. Oh, that's into, right. Into there the was water. something about that, right. <laughs> and right. Uh, so that was, uh, yeah. And, but for the most part, you know, Salmon Lake's a little harder. It's probably much less travel just because oh, yeah. you got to get, get it. to. you got to get a, get a boat, boat and anchor. And so, um, but there's, you know, I... You know, all the trails, they're connected, and TrailWorks has done such a nice job mm-hmm. of, you know, connecting things up. We're getting the, uh, well, the road, the the bike trail, really, oh, I yeah, guess. Oh, yeah, it's coming along. Come Q- along. QAP, and, they're working full speed, and yeah. we'll be able to use it sooner than we think. Yeah, I think there's, they're kind of projecting this summer sometime to be mm-hmm. finished up out there between Whale Park and the... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the industrial park, and then, well, we've got another year to wait before Blue Lake Road, I guess, right. is opened up again, and, and we can go back up uh, uh, from Sawmill Creek Campground mm-hmm. to, to the Beaver Lake that route. But uh, yeah, that that uh, from Whale Park down to Sawmill Cove is it's going to be a nice walking trail, yeah. and have wider places for bikes, and there'll be a little uh, little uh, kind of a pull out. Um, for uh, hiking on down, you know, uh, there's a little loop there that you can oh, go okay. out. Yeah. They're, they're developing that. I don't know if they're going to pave it, but I think yeah. they will. So it'll give you some variety. And I was just thinking the other day, the way the slope is, um, I tried skateboarding once. But yeah. It's too dangerous. <laughs> I think I think a skateboarder would like, wow, he could get yeah. about a mile. And one, Not one too push, steep, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know what the rule on skateboards is going to be. But going uh, down, if I was a skateboarder, I'd be looking at that thing right now from Whale Park down. All, yeah. You could go all the way to uh, Sawmill Cove, I think. Yeah, and so that's one of the nice things about our trail system is there's a lot of different, you know, whatever your sort of level of of, of activity mm-hmm. and ability and interest. There's, you know, even the, our other new trail just down here, and a lot of people have been using that this winter. The the Crescent Harbor Seawalk. Oh, the Seawalk is it's just, it's just great. You know, all of a sudden you see people instead of walking on the other side, they're all over there. Yeah. And, uh, 
You don't Beyond, have to worry about the traffic. Oh, it's, yeah. it's in the sun during the winter mm-hmm. time, so you you know you just you're basically walking in sun the whole way. Um, I know the uh, you know the area beyond the science center. In the old days, people would go down to the beach. And yeah, you, you're not yeah. going to keep people from the beach unless you put up a high right. electric chain <laughs> chain link yeah. fence. And so that trail was designed so people could go down to the beach because they're going to go down there. Yeah. uh, It's a nice couple of little places with, well, mm -hmm. you can get down right by the science center there Mm -hmm. and they actually Mm -hmm. regraded that a little bit Mm -hmm. so it's a little less deep and then then as you go on towards the park from there, there's a couple of places where there's actually kind of cool little, you know, there's a break in the the edging and, and steps, stone steps down for beach access and, and so that's all, it's all nice and, and, you know, you see all ages there from, from, uh, you know, uh, still in their, still in their, uh, in their stroller, probably less than a year old to, I've seen some 90 plus year olds out there walking that pretty regular and, uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just a nice opportunity. But then you also have your Verstovias and you have, uh, you know, your, your Bear Mountain Trails, which isn't even really, like, it's never been developed as a trail, but I noticed out there at, uh. Green Lake Road on the sign it yeah. says Bear Mountain Trail. That's and right. <laughs> somebody else had pointed that out and, I, and asked me about it. I was like, what? "That's a bushwagon, but it's I've only been up there once. Unfortunately, I'd, I've got to get up there again. Yeah, but, and you know we should forget about the Star Gavin area. We've got yeah. lots of nice trails out there. The the Forest and Mosquito, Mosquito Cove, trail, and Mosquito and, uh, Cove, uh, and Estuary Life, and right. And a lot of those are, are pretty low. I mean, the estuary life is, is zero gradient, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Forest and Muskeg is, is uh, a bit uh, more of a hill, but still a wide you know, gravel and, and board path. Right. And, so, and then Gavin, goodness, you can go up there and if you want to go a long way or a short way yeah. or drive up the other end. And so, it's, so we're really trail rich. Yeah. And I haven't actually even been on the new cross trail yet. Uh, mm-hmm. From I, I've been as far as Charteris, but it's been years since that was the end. No, it's pretty um, neat. I, I had a bike trip out there, but it's kind of steep. I had to walk up some of the hills. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've heard that. Uh, it, but it's the, great trail. The hill goes up. and But yeah, nice wide trail going out to the benchlands and. And so it's it's uh, we kind of have a wealth of trails around here, and it's really you know you pick your trail like like you've done that you really enjoy, and you go out and you can actually you learn a lot just by because you keep seeing new stuff, you know mm-hmm. stuff that's always been there that you just haven't noticed before, or or, or what I it, you know it, it, just stuff as it changes over the years, and so you notice that as well, and and so I just encourage people to spend some time out on on their trails and and uh, you know pick a favorite and visit the other ones also, but uh, right. you know Indian River Trail. A nice one, right? The There's falls. another one. It just keeps going. <laughs> yep, up and up and back, and and then the uh, you know the other more remote trails. You know, our Shelikoff, uh, Shelikoff is more of a road, but a lot of people walk it or bike it. Or Sea Lion Cove. I haven't actually been to Sea Lion Cove since they fixed that trail. I um, and that's either. been a few yeah. years now, but. Uh, Oh no, maybe I did. Yeah, I guess it was on it a couple of years ago. Sea Lion Cove. Uh, so, but again, you have to have a boat. But even without a boat, you know, there's a lot of lot of places to go here. Um, and so, yeah, it's fun. But you brought in some stuff actually, because to talk a little bit about, you already kind of mentioned the stuff that you bring, and and uh, and it's seasonal. I know that your your uh, Herring Cove Trail is, let's just say, it gets a little icy at times, uh, mm-hmm. and and especially on the steps going up right. on those rock steps. I know the snow, uh, people, it's popular enough. People walk on it, and mm-hmm. you just get this nice, uh, well, just ice really, right. uh, quite slippery, and so. Um, a lot of people get uncomfortable with that, but you said these uh, micro spikes, you call them, are yeah, pretty should, effective? Yeah, I've gone through a lot of different ones. Uh, the ones you like, you walk downtown, they're, they're not quite uh, sturdy enough. But I should say that uh, Barth Hamburg did such a great job of designing that trail. And then the people that built it and put those rocks in and all this water damage that yeah. we had. 
the rock steps stayed solid. Oh, those big yeah. rocks, yeah. yeah. And yeah. They, yeah, if you'd had the old style with wood and uh, stuff, it'll it'll washed out. Those rock steps did not move, so you know they're gonna have to do some repair, but they can build around that. Yeah, but uh, I have sort of a, a one thing I've been using. There's a something called micro spikes. They're a little heavier than your walk on the sidewalk ice. Yeah. yeah. And they're not as uh, big as crampons because we don't get into too many places we need crampons. I used them on Verstovia, but I haven't used mine in years. Yeah. And But they're called micro spikes, and they're just heavier-duty stainless steel. And So it's kind of a rubber ring that goes around ring, your shoe. Stainless steel with some chain on it. Uh, and crisscrossing chains. very tight on your uh, – Yeah. Your, you get, if you get the right size, they fit tight. And they're so sturdy that a lot of times you're – wearing them to walk on ice and then you get into a gravel part and yeah so i've i've walked a lot on gravel and it doesn't seem to affect them very much yeah so yeah so they kind of got a rubberized uh outer part that yeah. stretches around your shoe and then crisscrossing chains that go through and and hooked in those chains yeah. are these little triangular spike things yeah that it's 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 give you the traction a heavier duty and um i've used them a little bit this year on the trail and you're really uh it really had good traction. Then you didn't have to worry. But it's funny that some of those rocks, people, it was pretty. You could actually see the scratch marks on the rocks from oh. people on their different uh, footgear. From the yeah, on different traction, right? Things. Oh, that's interesting. So I'll take those out of my pack shortly. Yeah. Assume I'm not going any higher, but I like to kind of be ready to stay all night. And then if I do have a problem. Um, I always have a radio because cell coverage on the Herring Cove Trail is right. pretty skimpy. It's just like a little little bit of a spot where you can get yeah. a bar or two. One spot. In fact, it's where I saw your father and your oh, son yeah. That's right. running one time, and it was right. And the reason I found it, I got a text message Oh, yeah, once. yeah. Now, I'm not a texter. Usually right. my answer in text is yes and no. I'm not, <laughs> you know, with a flip phone, it's kind of right. hard to text. And I've tried it again, and you get... Little bar coming up now and yeah. then, so I think an emergency you might be able to. Uh, well, it was it was a few years ago now. I guess that they there was an emergency at the very end of Silver right. Bay, and they there wasn't cell reception, mm-hmm. but they you know in any consistent mm-hmm. fashion. But it was enough that they kept trying kept to send texting. the send mm-hmm. uh, the tri- kept trying to send yeah. the text, and and like the, because it was just such a small packet, it could mm-hmm. get through, and so they were actually able to. Right. People came out there because of that. Um, but you know, old old school pre cell phone days. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you carried the VHF around, mm-hmm. and and uh, certainly on the boat, I think that's still recommended that you, yeah, you and, have those. Uh, and one thing, if you don't have cell service, your your VHF, somebody's listening, yeah, uh, on a boat and can relay the message or whatever. And then if it's pretty serious, then you have the, our wonderful Coast Guard right members in town and our Sitka Search and Rescue, and they work together so closely. Yeah. Uh, they're there if you really need uh, help. It's it's always. I mean, it's it's great to have them, and it's always it's always kind of fun. You know, the people that you know that have a lot of experience mm-hmm. that for whatever reason are overdue, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the, and then the Coast Guard or, or search and rescue comes out after them. And this it's, it's funny that there's a certain amount of sheepishness sometimes right. among the people. That are like, oh yeah, well I was okay really, but it's good that they <laughs> yeah. were able to come out and get me. And, but they're willing, you know. Yeah. In case if you really need them, and uh, they. They risk their lives. For, yeah. Especially well, in, 
yeah, they they get out there and they go out in some pretty snarly weather, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. on some of these these rescues mm-hmm. and the and Coast Guard and the, and those guys in in their boats or on the trails, mm-hmm. you know, you see them all geared up or or on their training days. One time I was up Gavin when they're mm-hmm. practicing the hoist, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, they they were coming down from that, and they're mm-hmm. like they got their full on on packs of mm-hmm. of. Uh, uh, they look pretty heavy. I don't know what's all in those packs, but they are carrying a yeah. lot more stuff than, than yeah, the, uh, you or I carry on our day trips. The search and rescue has a list of things they want their members to carry for 24 hours, which yeah. is a lot more than I would normally carry. But uh, anyway, I usually, when I see Don including, I say, Don, if my car is parked at the trailhead after dark, you might think about coming yeah. to look for me, <laughs> which means, you know, you need flashlights and uh you know i have a small first aid kit and i'm bearware 20 or you know 12 months out of the year i just yeah. it i have a small uh pepper spray and it's kind of a confidence builder right but i don't usually go bushwhacking around and heavy brush uh but i have seen bear tracks uh, on the herring cove trail in yeah. march several yeah. times yeah. in the snow yeah, I've, but I've never met a yeah. bear, but some people have run into bears there. Up there, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that the the uh, bear spray is is confidence, and mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Tanya Lewis, who is the biologist from uh, Glacier Bay, mm-hmm. spoke with me, and she's done work with the bears there. And they originally told people to just back away, you know, mm-hmm. and the bears started getting more and more aggressive because mm-hmm. they would get the food mm-hmm. that the people backed away from, and they finally said, "No, just stand your ground there." Yeah, I heard heard her yeah. say that. That's hard to do sometimes. Right. I'm well, sure. just, that's where the the bear spray just offered yeah. that. You know, the bears mm-hmm. the bears don't really want a confrontation yeah. either. Mm-hmm. So, uh, generally speaking, but uh, you know, I've got kind of the regular uh, stuff here. Um, actually, one thing I use now, I some of that. Uh, Oh, just a little piece of plastic that's ice blanket. Ice, ice blanket. Yeah, I got a piece of it, uh, and just cut enough that I can sit on. Right, and you know you might as well. Ground have a, here isn't yeah. notoriously yeah. dry. So. Even those benches, if there's snow, and so right. that's easy to pack. Yeah, and uh, this uh, the kind pack that has the straps on it to carry a snowboard are just what I want to carry snowshoes. Yeah, because snowshoes are just hard to. Get on a pack for some reason, especially yeah. some of the new ones. They don't nest very well, and so you could also put skis. So uh, kind has this pack mainly for snowboards. It's just perfect yeah. for what yeah. we need. Yeah, and it's well, and of course up at uh, uh, Herring Cove or Beaver Lake, where you it get, can get quite a bit of snow up right. there. Not so much this year, but in prior years, I imagine. I only used snowshoes once this year. So how and, deep was the snow? Oh, it was maybe sixteen inches, something yeah, like that, yeah. and. You know, so kind uh, of borderline for where the funny it's part is, you look at like an LL Bean catalog and you see people walking along on snowshoes, and it's usually on this hard packed snow. And yeah. You don't need you need snowshoes where you're you're post holing. Right, post holing yeah. is what you're trying to avoid. But there was a picture uh, last year of this family going along, and it looked like it was a sidewalk. You know, right. and they weren't going down a bit. <laughs> yeah, you, if it's very hard, you just want your your little uh, micro spikes. Oh yeah, and, you want those, and so sometimes. Yeah. People uh, kind of overdo it, but they're nice to have when you. Yeah, so you carry a little bit of food and yeah, uh, kind I'm of emergency creature blanket. Creature of habit. Uh, as far as uh, water, I take a little bit of water, but what I like is a thermos with uh, kind of the. Uh, oh, what it's right here. It's these oh. apple cider. Yeah, the packets. Apple cider packets, and it's yeah. hot, and so and it's it's got a lot of sugar in it, and yeah. so I like that rather than coffee. You know, I have taken coffee, and then. A little bit of water, and so my food. You don't. I don't take much. I have a, some emergency food like those uh, gel packets that uh, yeah. runners and 
that I keep and don't eat unless I get real hungry. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah. And I, you know, I go with cheese and pilot bread and a half an apple is just a nice treat. So I stop at the falls yeah. for a quick uh, apple cider uh, drink. And then I stop at that far end of uh, Beaver Lake where there's an outlook there. And, yeah. And so half an hour, I could go more, but I just like to stop and yeah check things out i guess yeah so. yeah and it's it's uh I, I don't know i always find that that the people that are keep moving doesn't take very long in the trails but i i'm almost like it's hard for me to get done in any trail in less than an oh, hour yeah and, and more like two <laughs> yeah. just because there's so much to look at and so but it, it's a good idea to have something with you you don't have to have as much i just i've got it in my pack but uh something you might have to stay all night just a big plastic uh i, I just got a big plastic tube yeah, it's kind of yeah. like one of those tube tents, and you can yeah. crawl in, and so that's handy to have. It's small, and the regular first aid kit, and then I do take water, but uh, this latest uh, Life Straw, which is very oh, okay. small, uh, it's gotten pretty good reviews. If you do run out of water, you know you really don't want to drink the water. People that have Girardia, yeah, it's. it's not fun right yeah <laughs> you, you ask somebody about girardi like it's not fun so yeah rather than take a chance carry water but this life straw it's not very big and you can just put it in the water and suck it right out oh, yeah. right yeah it's like sucking it out of a straw it's just uh it's not very big and it's pretty light kind of just a little it, filter there yeah it's gotten pretty good reviews but right. as i say i always carry the the bear spray and then oh other things uh in the winter i don't do a lot of crossing lakes but my son made these spikes that yeah. fit together around your neck and so if you fall in the big trouble is getting out by yourself right. in the in a lake so what you can do these are just uh, little hand holes with an with a uh, nail in them and yeah. you can pull yourself out yeah so have you ever uh, practiced with them see if you can I do have it not <laughs> <laughs> but uh some i don't usually cross a lake the only one i did this year little beaver lake yeah. i walked across it just to get over to the other side and instead of bushwhacking it uh, along that or beaver ponds it's not a very big lake yeah but yeah but um it is higher than it drains into beaver lake right so it is yeah higher. just so, a little bit yeah you know the others just uh uh, a light, a battery light, and then I have uh, one of those uh, little generator lights, and just nice to have. And it, mainly that would be if you get caught out overnight. Or yeah, especially in the winter yeah. time where it gets light so early. Yeah, and you know, I have pushed a little bit. I was on the Thimbleberry Trail just much later than I should have been, and yeah. then I got thinking about bears, and <laughs> it was dark. I went all the way down. You couldn't go under, you know. You couldn't. I didn't want to go all the way around, so I came all the way back, and it got dark pretty fast. But yeah. most of the time, it's right now. You've got a lot of light. Yeah, yeah, and, and getting to be more. Well, we're actually kind of winding down our time okay. here, so I want to thank you for coming in and and visiting with me. It's been it's always fun to talk uh, talk nature around Sitka with you. You've been around a long long time. I guess I don't even remember when you moved here, but uh, uh, 76. 76. Yeah. So that's been a you're been you're a working while. on 40 yeah. years. So yep. um so it's always fun to to hear what you mm-hmm. you've been doing out there. I know you keep active out in the out in the wild. So thanks for coming in. It's been fun. All right. Yeah, so get out and get out and hike. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'll absolutely. See you on the trails. Yeah, and uh and uh yeah, so if he if he introduces himself, you can let him know what's in your pack and That's uh, right. What's in your pack? I yeah. I think about this on the library show. What's in your book bag? Right. Right. So we'll do a little bit Sitka nature um what's yeah. in your backpack. Right. 
You've been listening to a conversation I recorded with Bill Foster back in April of 2014. As he passed away this past November, I've been thinking of him and remembering fondly the many conversations I had with him when I run into him out on the trails or just around town. always was interested in hearing what birds had been around, and I was able to speak with him several times on my radio show. If you want to check out the other conversations that were recorded with him, you can find those on my archive at sitkanature.org slash raven. As always, I'd love to hear what you're seeing out there. Please feel free to send me an email, sitkanature at gmail.com, or you can get on Facebook and like the Sitka Nature page there. Happy to get questions or just observations of what you're seeing out there. I'll look forward to being back in a couple of weeks. We'll be past the winter solstice and into the time of year of increasing light. Here's looking forward to that and the brighter days to come. Until next time, this has been Matt on the Sitka Nature Show, KCAW Sitka.